Hello, good evening, and welcome back to the Bundesliga show brought to you by Over the Bar. Uh, as you can tell, it's just myself tonight, but we're very, very lucky and fortunate to be joined by Fergal of Halbvier Fanzine. Um, so, first and foremost, Fergal, welcome back to the show. Uh, how, how are you doing? Very well, thank you. Nice, good to be back, and nice to see you again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. really enjoying the start of foot footballers' return then. Fingers crossed in two weeks, I'm back to Germany for a few games. So re really looking forward to it. Uh, lovely. What games are you uh, going to be taking in? <clears throat> Let's see. The weekend, it's the weekend just before the international break. So Fortuna Cologne, then the Saturday doubleheader, Waldorf Mannheim and Eintracht Frankfurt and back up north to Wattenscheid on the Sunday. So yeah, can't, can't wait. Bit of Bundesliga and a bit of lower league grounds, which is probably the part I, I like most about German football. Yeah, that's perfect. Um, so yeah, before we talk to, to you, Fergal, a little bit more about how this. So for everyone that's watching tonight and tuning in, tonight is our first proper guest show that we've done A this season and B that we're kind of be gonna be doing from this season onwards, where we have obviously had brilliant guests in the past, Fergal included. But we've always had a bit more of a focus on on the games and we haven't really made the most of our brilliant guests. So from henceforth, the guest show will be all about the guest, which is uh, fantastic. Uh, so really looking forward to getting into a bit more in depth about how Veer and um, we'll get some details up about that in a moment. Uh, of course, just a little bit of admin to get ourselves started. So the season, as per usual, we are indeed in partnership with Bundesliga Boxes. Uh, just a shout out to them that Batch 22 uh, sales for Batch 22 are ending tonight at 10pm. So don't miss out on that. Get yourself over to the Bundesliga Boxes website and uh, get yourself a nice, genuine, authentic German football t-shirt. The best in the business. And that's, of course, why we're in partnership with them. If uh, Obviously, if you're tuning in, please give uh, give this video a like. Uh, do do comment along if you're watching. Uh, if you've got any questions for Fergal, please do give us a shout and press the red button to subscribe. Our subscribers are really going in a nice direction, which is brilliant. So please, uh, please do press that button so you don't miss out on any of our fantastic content. Um, so, as mentioned, uh, well, obviously, we're going to kind of chat to Fergal as, as kind of time goes on in this show. But what we'll do is first just like to get your thoughts and opinions, uh, Fergal, on match week three. So we'll just talk about it for a few minutes. So first and foremost, obviously, Bayern smashing seven, Leverkusen still struggling. What, what are your main thoughts? What, what did you pick out from match week three? <clears throat> well, I suppose I hate to say, but it looks like uh, match day three and. I think I think the league is as good as over. <laughs> oh God! Barnworth, it was a complete performance on Saturday. Uh, bearing in mind last season they lost four two at Bolton, but they were imperious on on Saturday. First three goals coming from guys just playing their first game of the season. Six goal scores in total. It's the the strength they have in depth is. It's awesome, and I, I suppose there's literally nothing. The only thing that maybe could stop them is potentially a run to the Champions League final. Maybe they take one one eye 
off the Bundesliga, but I think Bayern, even with one eye off the Bundesliga, sadly probably too good for the opposition. Dortmund were had their heads held high, but then Dortmund <laughs> being Dortmund, total self-destruct. That was yeah, crazy. Yes, yeah, yet again. I suppose last week they, they scored three late goals against Freiburg and they didn't yeah. deserve to win. So it was a case of de, deja vu on Saturday, like what? 89th minute, coasting to 2 0. And don't think any, anyone in the Westfalen Stadion thought for any minute that they weren't going to be but on nine points at the, at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That man, Ollie Burke, come in and absolute flames. He did my boy Stuttgart out of three points last week, and now yeah. he's doing the last minute job again. He, he, he would have taught it his second time in the Bundesliga, and yeah, yeah. He, he's got a really good start to the season. I was just doing a bit of a research for my appearance tonight, as you do, and I saw an incredible stat by a German journalist. I hope I don't butcher his surname. <laughs> Florian Ranenke, who also appears on Talking Football Podcast. Sure. So he said, out of the last 7,220 games in the Bundesliga, when the team was winning 2 0 in the 88 minutes or later, 7,216 7, times the team ahead went on to win. Five games ended in draws, and only once. Did a team 2-0 down in the 88 minute win a game? And lo and behold, that, that was on, on Saturday with Werder Bremen. Yeah. What start? Love that. Bring bringing the stats to the show. Love that, yeah. yeah, very good. Um, any any player there that you'd like to pick out that either impressed you this week or has had a really good start to the season? I, I suppose the forward line for Union Berlin. They're yeah. what seven points. They're they're Record at home in the Alton de Foster Eye is, is crazy good. Uh, I think the last best part of two, two years, they've only lost two games against Dortmund, against Bayern Munich. So, so there's nothing wrong about that at all. Uh, Geraldo Becker and Jordan Sabicheo, what, mm -hmm. four goals between them in, in the first two home games this season. And and they, they look immense and really kind of two up front great great compliment so yeah. yeah looks the future looks promising for union who knows they could become a top top six regular definitely with with that home form if they can sneak points on the road now and again yeah absolutely i think uh just before we move on and actually have a proper chat about how they're, they're another shout out or a shout out for a second away win for mines as well like if they can figure out that away form uh, then in, they'll be immense. In, indeed, and, and that's the what, despite missing the penalty as well. I, I think yeah. the first time in nine seasons they missed a penalty. Yeah, two 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 one. Uh, the what draw in their home game against Union last week, and two wins on on the road, and largely unheralded team. But who who, who knows what what this season could could bring for them? Absolutely. Uh, I suppose the the other team that's as impressed at the start is Gladbach. Don't think many people when Daniel Farker started this season they thought mm, sacked by Norwich is is he is he capable of doing the job in the Bundesliga? But what? Mm. 
seven points after three games and, and they sit second. I, I suppose in, in their case, uh, it's been consistency. He's been lucky to have the starting 11 for the last three games and mm. they won 1-0 yeah. on Friday night and sh- should have been two. I don't know if you saw it, but they got a penalty late on. And yeah. was literally three of them fighting over who was going to take it. Yeah, a player who scored the first penalty and Jonas Hoffman, who who won the battle and subsequently went on to miss the penalty. But yeah, he won't be taking them for the rest of the season. <laughs> well, he was in my fantasy team alongside Aaron Martin, so they both missed penalties for me at the weekend. So yeah. much to my frustration. Um, so yeah, no, interesting to hear your thoughts on who who's impressed you so far. So, without further delay, let, let's get let's get into Halbveer then. So for a, for anyone that didn't see the show that we did with Fergal, was it two seasons ago, one season ago? Um, yeah, definitely over twelve months ago. I can't remember really. what issue was out, but it, yeah, it was it was quite quite a while ago. And it was, and we had a yeah. good chat then. But I think it's nicer to get into the details of of, of things to, tonight. So. Uh, for anyone that's new to the show or is tuning in again and didn't see that, uh, so Fergal is the editor-in-chief of Fanzine, which is a fanzine on German football, so everything German football really, or anything German football for an English-speaking audience. Right now, issue 10 of Halbwehr, uh is out on, on the website, uh, of which you can get copies in analogue and digital versions. Am I right there, Fergal? Yeah, that's perfectly correct. Uh, issue ten came out towards the end of the season, back back end of May. Issue twelve, busily writing the last piece for inclusion, hopefully off at the printers middle of this week, middle to end of this week, and issue eleven should be out early September. Lovely. Yeah. Good news then for uh, for all uh, all your subscribers and and yeah, I've I've had a few things. few subscribers saying when's the next issue out. Yeah. So it's it's four times a year. We try and do it August September one before Christmas, then February March, and then one at the end of the season. So four times a season doesn't sound a lot, but believe me, there's a lot of work and. <laughs> Hard graph that go, goes into then. So when it when it's your kind of your pet project on the side and a bit of a passion, yeah, it, it, it's very good. Sure, good stuff. So yeah, so you release usually about three. Well, you like to do three or four a year, don't yeah. you? Yeah. And um, so yeah, all the details are flashing across the bottom of the screen to follow. Um, Fergal is in Halbveer on Twitter. It's on uh, on the banner below, and indeed is the website. So go go check that out and get yourself an issue, uh, a copy of issue ten. Um, so do you want to just run us through? So obviously the the fan scene is German football. So that's obviously encompassing a lot. Fergal. Yeah. So it's basically everything or anything in between Bundesliga all the way down to regional <laughs> league. Yeah, regional league and and, and below crisis league. Uh... Oberliga and anything really. I think it started what literally issue one appeared a week before the kind of onset of COVID. Up, so we didn't know that at the time. <laughs> and it, it it stemmed out really. I enjoyed going to three or four times a season, going going over to matches in Germany, and I noticed there was an awful lot of people from the UK going going over to Germany to watch games, and there was no. There was nothing really in kind of English speaking for them, obviously. Yeah. 
Borussia Dortmund, Bayern Munich were featured a lot in the mainstream English media, perhaps when an English or Scottish club met a Bundesliga team in a European fixture. It might have been a little bit about them, but yeah. not much. So, so I thought was it interest out there in people who interested in German football but couldn't access any kind of writing in English. And I assumed naively it'd be largely for the English, UK stroke Irish market, but very popular in Canada and Nor uh, Norway. Yeah. two places which i never expected it to be an interest in in german football and surprisingly in germany as well quite a quite a few people yeah yeah well we, it seems to be a taster certainly in north america we found in in terms of the audience that's reached out to us and guests indeed that we've had on the show as well so that's yeah that's very interesting to hear so uh Moving on from exactly what what how Veer is, um, so do you want to just kind of touch on a little bit in regards to issue ten? So maybe some of the highlights or things that you particularly enjoyed about yeah, uh, writing yeah, and of course, like yeah. Uh, issue ten. <clears throat> one of my obviously, there's a lot to be said positive about German football. The yeah. cheapness of the tickets, most time, the atmosphere, the beer that you can drink it. A beer after the game, standing on the terrace. But one of my favourite parts of German football is the Kuta. Those kind of heavy metal waistcoat when you see middle-aged men with mullets with literally 50, 60 embroidered patches on, on the back of mm -hmm. her denim, sleeveless denim jacket. So we, we did a really nice feature on Kuta's in issue 10. I think it was spread over four, four or five pages. So numerous mm -hmm. photos of people kindly shared with us of those Kuta's take, take, taking up games. So much so that I thought somewhere in the back of my wardrobe, I had a Levi's denim jacket going back about 25 years. And lo and behold, I have done. I've taken off the sleeves now and I'm starting on my own pet project. Oh, lovely. Yeah. So I, the, I, I, I sorry. So yeah. the, the they're just like a collection then of uh, of obviously the the person individually just going from ground to ground and kind of taking these kind of uh, souvenirs and just adding them. No, up. it's 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 mainly their club at the back of it. You have like a large kind of centered patch, and then mm -hmm. loads of smaller ones. It's usually expressing their love for their club screaming obscenities at, at their local rivals and fairly graphic as well and and then is which is common in germany the french the friendship with other clubs most cooters then will have kind of patches of where the friendship they have with, with that club so um Hopefully, when I'm back on in 12, 18 months' time, I'll be able to wear my coot and see, see, how, <laughs> see how it's got on. So, yeah, it, issue 10 as well. I think we had a very important article about from Sarah Steinhoffel, who's an advocate for uh, mental health and mental well-being, and she set up a website, kind of. She's a Borussia Dortmund fan and has found mm -hmm. football as, as a way of kind of coping with well-being issues. Sure. So we're very glad to, to feature that and give her charity and those of her friends more prominence. 
lovely yeah absolutely really important topic that's that's certainly been in you know been in the news and uh, the forefront of our thinking certainly in particular since covid really hit hit the uk and mental health has certainly been a, a really prominent thing since then so that, that's a lovely thing to have put in uh, put into issue 10 uh any other any other shout outs for for anything else to watch out for in issue 10 just to kind of stir yeah, the juice yeah i think probably f- the favorite thing I, I like most is i don't know if the readers agree is the kind of historical pieces yeah delving back into german football 40 50 years ago kind of post second world war the start of the bundesliga mm-hmm. so many amazing stories to tell so there's a couple of historical pieces there and that's going to be replicated in issue 11 which issue 11 has said it is going to print this weekend issue one featured uh joe bryant away day joe joe yeah. builds the lego grand so we thought it was mm-hmm. only good to revisit joe two years later see how he's come on and how many more grounds he's built so we have a nice photo essay on all the six seventeen bundesliga grounds i think he's wow. created out of lego which is very impressive yeah and he i uh, just saw on his twitter page today he's backed obviously covid stopped him and his father going over to germany so he's back going to freiburg this weekend for the first time in over two years and he's presenting the is Lego State Freiburg Lego Stadium to the club? So well, well done, Joe. There, yeah, absolutely, really big fan of what Joe does. So that's that's excellent for him. Um, right then, well, it, I think it also be nice to kind of chat through a little bit about kind of like the highlights that you've encountered so far along along your journey yeah. of creating okay. Hellfear and, and where you've got to. So we've asked, well, I've asked you a little bit about issue ten. Some nice things that um, to watch out for for that. But what about uh, maybe giving us a, a couple of your top top three, top five articles or okay. pieces right. that you've worked on so far? I'm sure it's really hard to choose from, but could you give? Yeah, us a I, yeah, I, it is. You're putting me on the spot now. I kind of awesome. I worked I worked without what there's ten issues and we average about sixteen, seventeen wow. articles per per issue. So that's oh what 170 articles on German yeah. football in the past two years so we've covered a a lot of ground but there's all there's an awful lot of stories out there and there's lo- loads more we we can cover so I suppose it'd be remiss of me where there's serial contributors to the fanzine people who write regularly with, with without any payment as such so mm-hmm. it's people like that who kind of keep keep the fanzine going so Think there's guys like Paul Jobson in Leeds, Alan Deemer, who's uh, from Middlesbrough, but he's based out in Bielefeld, Sasha Krupa in Germany, uh, Jay- Jamie Allen, uh, guy from Wolverhampton, living in Galway in Ireland, who supports MSV Jewsburg. <laughs> uh, good friend Stephen Brand over in Buffalo, New York, and Steve Palmer, who's got a season ticket to the Westfalen Stadium in Dortmund. So there's only a few people. There's loads more who've kind of contributed over to the last 10 issues. And I said, without people like that, the fanzine wouldn't, couldn't exist. 
I suppose at the outset, at the outset, I, I, I was quite concerned. I tried to get a, a few, we'll say, proper or kind of professional journalists on board. I kind of wanted to give it, while well, it's called the fanzine, I wanted to be kind of quite a heavy, not heavyweight publication, but I wanted to be taken serious. So sure. it was a, a guy, Felix Hansut, who's is German Israeli uh, journalist who based in Cologne who writes primarily on ultras from a kind of left-wing perspective. So Felix finally wrote for the first two or three issues, which gave us a kind of a bit of credence from from the outset. And Mm -hmm. equally so, uh, financial journalist Georgie Frost went on a weekend to Borussia Mönchengladbach and Mainz, and I think it was the last weekend before COVID, last and she wrote a really good kind of professional well-researched piece that featured an issue too so i thought when people like that of that quality are want want to write for the fanzine i thought yeah we've we've left our mark and didn't didn't know each issue is a panic when you've done two you're thinking oh we get three out and Mm -hmm. now that we're on 10 and 11 is just going to the printers and quite confident about, about, about the future. I suppose ha- highlights a guy called Kenny Legg, who's a Weymouth supporter who lives in Dusseldorf at the moment, did a really good kind of photojournalism piece on Bruce and Nonkirchen okay. and their kind of old school Grant Ellenfeld in issue two. That was re- re- really good and mm-hmm. looked, uh, looked good and we the fanzine is kind of done on heavyweight paper and it's all all in color so it kind of gave it a level of authenticity yeah so i, I suppose the only uh well i said there's loads of really enjoyable articles i suppose that the one that left most mark was in issue eight paul, paul, yeah. paul jobson wrote a piece on a guy called alois bernhard Eisentrager. Everyone thinks Bert Troutman was the kind of first German to play post-war football in England. Bert Troutman being the goalkeeper for Man City. Mm-hmm. However, Alois Bernard Eisentrager, or Alec as he was known, beaten by a few months. He played professional football for like Bert Troutman. He was a prisoner of war who kind of made his life in England after the war and he ended up playing in Bristol. Both of them made their debut in 1949, but he oh, wow. he beat Bert Troutman to the honour by a few months. And Paul told me a, a, re, a really good good story. Uh, sadly, Alec passed away in 2017, age 90, but Paul, Paul Jobson had wrote the article, really good article. He sent a copy, couple of copies onto his father in Bristol. Mm-hmm. Father, who was a years ago was a Bristol City season ticket holder, got Paul to write the piece. Paul's father passed on a couple of copies of it to his friends, and lo and behold, one of them ended up with the son of the says Alec Eisentrager, who we wrote about in the first place. Oh, wow. still, still living in bristol and i think it really meant a lot to him mm. 
never saw his father play live. You can imagine football in the 1940s, 1950s. There's not not a a lot of stuff out on YouTube about it. So yeah, I think he was really touched to get a piece written about his father. Yeah. So thing, yeah. if things like that make it, you think, yeah. Bless me. Bless no, that's that's really like touching to hear that I had managed to find all his way back. Yeah, there's that kind oh, of connection. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. How, um, well, just kind of turning back to when you mentioned kind of the the articles that you've done, maybe on the ultras and things like that. So, yeah. how how have your contributors and yourself been able to to gather the history on the ultras? Have you had to work in conjunction with them? So, reach out to to the groups themselves, and if so, yeah. how you know how friendly were they? How how easy was it to kind of connect with them and, and get yeah. this kind of a little bit more information? Yeah, as I said, Felix Thompson uh, is a journalist who's kind of got good connections in, in the kind of ultra culture. I think we've done three or four pieces now on ultras over the issues. Obviously, mm-hmm. there's no images published of, of the ultras on match day and equally so their names are withheld if they if they request yeah. to be so there i suppose there are pieces that you know the person is an ultra but you couldn't identify him from 40 or 50 other ultras in the groups so that they tend to remain anonymous we we haven't done an ultra piece for perhaps a year now and i suppose it was only at the tail end of the season obviously post pandemic and the reopening of the grounds a lot of the uh, ultras boycotted games because issues of vaccination and a lot of them were kind of anti-vaccination and didn't mm-hmm. feel it necessary to have a kind of proof of vaccination to get back in the ground but they're they're back in the stadiums for this season now so i suppose it's only pertinent that perhaps we do it and thanks for the suggestion. We do another ultra feature in, in the forthcoming issues. As I said, our most probably popular and definitely the biggest selling issue so far has been issue five, which was on football in the DDR. Mm-hmm. So issue yeah. 12, which will be our last issue this year out in December, will also be another special not Lovely. saying what what on this stage but will be kind of one a one subject issue so yeah. okay nice good stuff so yeah that's really interesting um some really nice stories and highlights there certainly to pick out um from from your time of doing how there um what whilst having you on the show it would be remiss of me if i did not ask you a couple of questions as in the lines of your but we'll start off with your favourite German stadium that you've visited so far. Or maybe, if it's too hard, you can give me a top three. Okay, right. Uh, believe it or not, I haven't been to <coughs> too many grounds. I think I did I did a quick count earlier today and it was only 29. Like, there's people kind of who, who've been in, in tra- travel figures who've kind of done the the... the for three divisions. I suppose I'm a fan of old school grounds. Yeah. So some brilliant old school grounds, especially in Berlin. Mm. Uh, Moment Stadion, where Tennis Borussia Berlin play. Stadion Lichterfelde, I 
think I went to see Victoria Berlin play there when they were a regional league club and Tasmania Berlin play there now. Yeah. The icon probably for all ground hoppers, the most famous stadium in Berlin, the Frederick Ludwig Jan Sport Park, right in the heart of former East Berlin, mm-hmm. within shadows of the Berlin Wall. So and a big shout out to VFB Lubeck's Grand, which I had the pleasure of visiting last last season. So I said the lower league old school grounds are, are probably my favorite of the we'll say the larger bigger capacity grounds probably mm-hmm. max morlock which is yeah. and which is sure. very similar to an english ground with a kind of steep terrace and although i'm a fortune a dusseldorf fan i'll be killed for saying this fc Coles, the mongestorf stadium really enjoyed my visit there it's yeah Good stuff. Well, yeah. yeah, well, Mark will be pleased with the Max Morlock shout out at least uh, as a Nuremberg man. Um, yeah, that's that's a nice shout out. Um, right, well, stadiums, stadiums is done. Good stuff. We'll we'll move on to th- this. Will probably be quite tricky, but obviously we kind of touched on the ultras a little bit. So, would would you say there's a particular set of fans or group of ultras that you've really enjoyed? Where whether either you've been at the ground at the time. And the atmosphere was really welcoming or friendly or electric. Uh, any any kind of teams or, or sets of fans come to mind? I suppose going back, uh, FC Cole probably had the most atmospheric set, set of fans. Yeah, I thought I, I saw them in the second division. Of, not a big game against Sandhausen, but the home end was packed and it was kind of raucous for first all. 90 minutes mm-hmm. Schalke very impressive as well yeah so obviously it's kind of the roof comes over the stadium and night game and all the lights go on so it's very atmospheric but like even teams like uh Darmstadt smaller mm-hmm. maybe only 10,000 there but kind of rock raucous atmosphere as well so yeah they they'd be my favourites, but that's as I said, there's don't think there's one grand I've been to in Germany when I've walked away and thought mm, that's really yeah. disappointing. Yeah. So I get I guess you've never had an experience where you've not felt welcome. Obviously that that is, seems to be the real kind of positive about German football and particularly kind of taking <coughs> those cultures. Yeah, it's it's like everywhere. As long as you kind of, especially if you're on the home terrace and you don't get out camera taking photos of kind of people, I suppose you've got to be know where you are, respect their culture and and respect yeah. them. But no, haven't got myself into bother anywhere so far. So I'm just touching the wooden table here because you, yes. you never know. And a man of my age, I should be avoiding all that anyway. Yeah. Those <laughs> those years are, are definitely behind me. Good stuff. Um, and then a final kind of question on your favourites. Um, obviously, we you mentioned kind of uh, tasting, being able to kind of go into the grounds and have the beers. Um, so have you come across a favorite that you've had locally, uh, or do you have one that you like to just suck whilst you're at home as well? Oh, good, good question. I, I, I like a lot of the local beers, 
the Conde cultures in Cologne, the Alps, definitely the Alps in kind of Dusseldorf. Although there's a big rival, there's a kind of big rivalry between both cities, both clubs, and that kind of seemed to spread to both beers as well. If if you <laughs> if you like Colts, you can't like Alps and vice versa. But right. I, I I like them both. I must admit, wasn't a big fan of Astra in Hamburg. Astra kind yeah. of seems to be yeah. the <clears throat> match day beer in Hamburg. But really looking forward to my visits to Bavaria. I haven't been to Annie Grands in Bavaria yet. It's on the list. And I suppose yeah. the kind of best beer in Germany are brewed there. I suppose what's <clears throat> what's so good about Germany is it's the locality, the, the sheer individualism of the beer. Each each city has kind of got its own main brewery. So every ground. You'll have the usual kind of ubiquitous kind of Bitsburger or the Becks, but equally so you'll have a kind of local beer that you'll have never seen yeah. before. And unless you revisit that city, you'll probably never see again. I suppose the only bad experience I had of beer drinking was at Karlsruhe's Grand last season. Right. I had three or four uh, beers and I was thinking, there's something wrong about this. Doesn't quite feel right. And then someone told me it's non-alcoholic if there's a high-profile game there, which right. I did. And this was, I was in the <laughs> Fortuna Dusseldorf in the away end, so I think the non-alcoholic beer was only sold to the away fans. Wow. <laughs> it, that's it. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. That. Yeah. Uh, okay, nice. Some good selections there for sure. Um, well, we kind of, we, we kind of looked at the, you kind of top, top few uh stories that you've that you've covered with, with doing how beer and we've had a, a nice run through of things but maybe just a little question to you fergal about about looking forward uh obviously you've mentioned that you want to get issues 11 and 12 done before the end of this year which is great to hear um but in general have you got um a certain amount of ambitions or goals for for the publication and how beer in general I think just to keep the head above water at, at, at this moment, uh, sales sales have kind of flatlined. Maybe from I said issue five, which was on sale. Uh, the DDR issue has been our biggest seller. Mm -hmm. We're kind of putting more money money into each issue in terms of kind of print quality and investment. And I said sales are flatlined. Listen, people are. The economy is in crisis. People have a lot yeah. of things to worry about out there. I think German fo football is probably low, low on the on their agenda. But hopefully, people will, will stick with us. And if you know who, a friend who's half interested in German football, just send them our way, and hope hopefully they'll become a reader. As said, it's costs are going up. 10% every issue and we've tried to keep the price maintained at six pounds per issue. Yeah. And I suppose the biggest challenge so far has been kind of pro post Brexit. Right. About 12 months ago, the postal kind of VAT change. So anyone in the EU who now receives a copy of Harbveer has to pay or did have to pay customs charges on it. 
which were greater than the cost of the issue, which was self-defeating. Yeah. So the last few issues, I traveled to the EU to post those copies. Right. Thankfully, for issue 11, we've got a new distributor mm -hmm. on a more professional footing. So copies to EU and readers abroad will be posted from the UK and there's no custom charges applied. So yeah, that's one, that's one positive moving forward, yeah. Yeah. Well, what do you think about the the kind of the future or, or how how much kind of life fanzines have in general? Obviously, not just your, not just your own one, but do you think they're, uh, you know, something that we can try and push forward a little bit more as time goes on? Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it, it's really hard. I, I, I saw the Duck, which is a Stoke City fanzine. I think it may have been on issue 70 or so, and hmm. he said he's... He's he's had enough. I kind of, I suppose our fanzine is different from more most kind of club orientated fanzines. People have an opportunity to purchase it outside the ground, whereas ours, obviously, it's all done kind of internet sales sent sent postal. It's very very difficult. There's a lot of mundial kind of went to the wall during COVID. Now yeah. they're back magazines like kind of glory although they've paused they're now back it's it's very hard this moment yeah. in time thankfully this is just a sideline for me it, it's not my kind of livelihood mm. for my livelihood i'd be think slightly more worried but yeah, yeah. listen with, with the support of good people out there and met loads of friends along the way so it's, it's been all worthwhile so far 100% and it's great that you've got such a, a family of, of writers and contributors as you you know rightly very rightly kind of mentioned a lot of them earlier on which is fantastic uh very much like how over the bar operate you know a really good family of people who kind of operate uh, and kind of publish uh, whether it's articles or, or whether we're doing the youtube channels and stuff like that so that's really good to hear and it's been really enjoyable to have you on Again, Fergal, um, so I won't, uh, you know, suck out any more information or any more stories. Uh, it's been really good to kind of hear yeah, yeah, a little bit more about the fanzine and, uh, and kind of your thoughts on it. So I really appreciate your time this evening. Um, so I think we'll probably bring the show to a, to a close on, on that note. Uh, obviously, just before we do, a quick reminder again with regards to Bundesliga boxes, uh, Batch 22, Closes this evening, sales close at 10 p.m. So go check them out, get yourself uh, yourself a nice German authentic T-shirt. And, of course, make sure you do go and check out Halvir. It's obviously if you want to find them on Twitter, uh, all the details below, at Halvir UK. And the website to go to is halvir.bigcartel.com. Get yourself subscribed, get yourself an issue 10 just before issue 11. Hopefully comes out nice and soon, Fergal. Um, and just again for everyone that's watching please do drop the show a like uh, if you have enjoyed the show in particular or the way that we've been doing our guest shows from henceforth please do let us know in the comments and as always please do subscribe and try and push us up to uh, to around the 650 marker we're on on our way to 1000 that's the ultimate goal um, we really want to push up to that so that'll really help us get out more and more content. Make sure you check out everything else that's coming out on the channel, our fantasy football shows. We've got a brand new show coming to you on Thursday, so keep your eyes peeled for that. 
Football League World Show. We've got Spanish content, just everything. Um, so, yeah, make sure you keep um, your eyes peeled for all that. But all there is left to say is thank you very much, Fergal, for, for your time this evening. And thank you all for watching. Cheers, Rory. It was a pleasure. Cheers. Thanks very much. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.